0: Hello and welcome to the Joshua Greeny podcast. This episode will likely go down as the most difficult episode, podcast episode that I've recorded thus far. And that's in, in large part due to the, the subject matter um, in connection with how long I've been thinking on it. <laughs> so this is something that I've had in my mind for uh, I guess going on 12 years now. Um it's been at least a little over a decade since I started to seriously put some thought into the question simple question, what is the church like what is that as a concept now let me explain the first time I seriously questioned that because it's it's interesting um this wasn't an academic question where I was like in a you know in a classroom in Bible college going. You know, what is the church? And let me put that. It wasn't that at all. So I, I attended a Bible college in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, I won't get into all the details and, and everything. There's so much I could say about that. But I'm halfway through it. So you know, It's like 2010. I'm, I think I'm about two years into the, the college experience. And at this particular school, we every student was required, every student on campus, I, I believe. Maybe it was every student who was in the area. But who attended classes on campus was required to attend a Sunday morning service, or even, you know, if you if you were of the persuasion that you needed to attend a service on Saturday, um, you could do that. But in other words, on the weekend, you have to attend some kind of a religious service, um, you know, church service. You have to go to church. Would be the terminology that would be used. And so there was a there was literally a church building, so there's this building that is literally a five minute walk from the dormitories. And I didn't have a vehicle uh, through college. I didn't need one. It was a small campus. And so I simply would get up in the morning. this is the, the first or second the first two years I went to this this church group. So get up in the morning, um, uh, you know shower, brush my teeth, comb my hair, put on you know nice churchy type clothes. Um, and then literally walk five minutes, uh, sit inside the building in a pew, um, follow all of the instructions, you know, stand up, sing songs, sit back down. Um, if we're reading verses out loud, you know, read, uh, you know, follow all the cues, do all the things, shake people's hands here and there. And for some of you, this might be, you know, maybe you're not familiar with church services or, um, your flavor of church service that you've been a part of it has a different liturgy, like a different structure to it. But it's—they're all. I mean, it's—it's it's all kind of the same cookie cutter thing. You just add or subtract different things, and um, depending on what kind of background you come from, um, if you've were you know raised within uh, religious settings like that, um, you, you have some idea of what I'm saying. To, uh, hopefully, hopefully, even if you if you haven't, <laughs> you'll get the idea. But basically it was the same routine you know every Sunday it's the same type of service the same type of thing um, and so I'd go there I'd sit you know sit through that for an hour or so or however long it was maybe it was an hour and a half I can't remember and then I would walk back to my dorm room and you know change my clothes uh, take another nap or you know <laughs> whatever it was um, that I would typically do maybe start studying or you know I don't know but on one one day, one Sunday, as I'm walking back, like it was somewhere between after the end of the service and then going back to my dorm or you know arriving in my dorm where I asked the question I was like, there's got to be more to quote you know air quotes there's got to be more to church than this It's like this this doesn't make sense and the the verse that popped in my head the bible verse is a quote from Jesus okay so this is Jesus if you want to look this up um, it's in the the gospel book Matthew um you know the the recording one, the first of the four gospels of recording Jesus's you know uh life on earth and it's in Matthew 16 verse 18 so there's a, there's a context to all of this, but basically this was the verse that popped in my head. It's when Jesus is is talking with his disciples, and he's asking them, he's like, "Who do you say I am?" and and uh, one of his disciples, the kind of the most popular one, um, Simon Peter, says, "Hey, you're you're the Savior. You're Christ. You are Son of the Living God," which was quite a quite a an assertion or claim. So. Jesus is like, yeah, you know, God. Sh- God showed that to you. You know that, that was revealed to you by God, who's in heaven. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but verse eighteen, Jesus then goes on to say, He goes, Hey, uh, you know, Peter, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not withstand it. Um, that's a probably a better translation. There, there's, I could say more about that verse. Um, but the idea, let, let me explain that for those who have no clue what the heck that even means. So, and by the way, there's lots of debates on what that means, depending on if you're Catholic or Protestant or, you know, whatever. Um, but basically, the, the key point I'm trying to put out is Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm about to build something, and I'm building it on a rock, whatever the rock means you know, whatever that's a reference to. I'm building my church, that's what the English says, and the gates of Hades, now Hades is, is uh, a word that is being used as like the grave, like death itself. Uh, you know, the grave is not going to even be able to stop what I'm doing. So death itself is not, you know, if even if I die, my church is still going to prevail against death itself. So whatever Jesus is, is doing here, or saying that he is doing and, and is going to do, is something that is going to withstand even the grave. It's like, look, you can't even kill this. Like death itself has no power over it. So that's pretty intense, like, that's a pretty bold claim to say, "Hey, look, I'm starting a group." You know, think think of Nick Fury coming up saying, "Hey, we're trying to you know build this special team of extraordinary <laughs> individuals." um and it's the avengers and they're assembling that's you know why is that j- just as an aside why is that such a such a interesting concept especially here in the west and maybe i don't know maybe in other cultures around the world too well that's kind of a cool thing it's like a bunch of people coming together and they can't be stopped and they're going to fight against evil well maybe that's kind of playing off of the same theme here i mean this is jesus saying hey look i'm about to assemble my own you know group of of people's i'm about to build my church and death ain't even going to stop me. You watch this, I'm going to bust the grave wide open type thing. <laughs> Again, I'm paraphrasing. But that verse immediately popped in my head. It's one I've known known uh, very well. And I'm sitting there going, okay, Jesus didn't die for this, meaning Sunday morning service experience that I keep having, like that I've had for most of my life. It's like they <laughs> – when Jesus says, hey, "I'm going to die for," you know, I died for the church. You know, I, again, I'm, there's scriptures and stuff like that that you may or may not be familiar with. But if Jesus is literally saying, "Like, hey, I'm going to come and die and do all this," you know, I'm going to do all this stuff on earth. I'm going to be willing to sacrifice myself on the cross and have this bloody, horrible death. And I'm dying for the church which I'm building, and it's it seems so like epic and awesome and intense. And then I compared that to my Sunday morning ritual routine thing that I, you know, grew up doing um, and that was being forced to do. But, I like, I wasn't doing it begrudgingly. Like, I was cool with, with going. Like, it was just regular. But I was like, "There's, there's got to be something more than this. Like, this can't be it. And so then I was like, the, the next thing I was, I was like, okay, I want to figure out what the word church means. Because this this seems like it's missing some major ingredients. That was kind of where I, you know, the way I was kind of thinking of it. And so, basically, from that point forward, on the side, as I was doing all of my other Bible study stuff, because there were classes where you had to read certain books of the of the Bible um, as you're studying through them, and you know, there were tests and things on them. So as I'm doing that, as I'm doing all my regular studies, I'm on the side making notes. I'm going, okay, here's a here's a, a, a verse in English. Um, in the text where it uses the word church. Okay, let me write that down. Okay, here's this one. And then uh, th- this isn't this hard um, for those who this might might seem intimidating or, or overwhelming. It's not that hard with the resources that we have online for free. There's one called Bible Hub. Um, I think it's, it might be biblos.com. Let me look it up real quick. Um, it, it had a name change at one point a couple years back. Uh, let's see here. But basically, it's a website that it's, it's not as user-friendly as it should be. Um, but I've, I've managed to be able to use it for what I want want to use it for. But basically, yeah, it's biblehub.org. So that's B-I-B-L-E-H-U-B, no spaces, uh, dot O-R-G. So on this this website, and I'm sure there's plenty of others that, that might do the same type of thing, you can literally look at what's called an interlinear uh, translation of the Bible. So you can take the English... And look at it with so interlinear, meaning two different languages, with paired with the Greek or the Hebrew. In other words, the original languages that the the texts, the biblical texts, were written in. Um, you can look at both of those. So, in I was particularly interested in the New Testament, which was written in Greek, which has the term church used. That's where kind of the idea of the church is. That's where Jesus is saying, "Hey, I'm about to build my church." So I'm like, okay. I want to see every single verse in the Bible, specifically the New Testament section. Every single verse in English that has the word "church," I want to see what that word is in Greek. I want to see uh, if it's the same word that's being used. You know, is it are they are they translating the Greek word in as church? You know, every single time. And then I was like, okay, I want to look at the Greek text and see. Let me just look up the word. Ek- well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. The word for church is ekklesia, which by, bears a striking resemblance to the Spanish word iglesia, which is literally just a, a transliteration um, of that. They're just pulling ecclesia and then translating it directly, uh, kind of phonetically, um, as iglesia, ekklesia. Um, and again, we don't really know how the this Koine Greek was pronounced. But the point is this. You can literally click on the word "ecclesia" and it will bring up every single Greek verse in the New Testament that uses that word. And then you can see what word it's, it's translated as in English. So, like, it was literally just a, a, a you know, I just had to do it. <laughs> just, okay, let me look through this and see what all these words mean, see how they're used. Uh, let me look at the definition of the word ekklesia in the Greek and, you know, translated into English and, you know, the etymology of it, the history of it, um, the particles it's made up of. I mean, these are all stuff, these are all grammar-type things and, and, you know, English study stuff. But I, I was familiar with all of that. I'd done some of that just learning Spanish. And so, anyway, what I came to discover was I was like, okay, every single time that it says, um, you know, ekklesia in Greek, it translates as, or no, no, no. I'm sorry. Every time you see the word church in English, the word, the Greek word they're translating as church is ecclesia. Now, there's other times where they they translate it as a different word. So, every time ecclesia appears in the Greek, it's not always translated into English as church. Sometimes it's a different word. It could be congregation. It could be assembly. Um and it may be one or two other words. I'd have to go back and, and look at it. But the uh the fact of the matter is I was like, okay, now I'm getting somewhere. And so here let me let me just show you the the first thing that blew my mind. Um when I looked up the definition of ecclesia, I was like, okay. I, and I was studying a little bit of Greek, um I think I was either studying Greek at this point in time or I was on the verge of, of starting like I, I would later take two classes uh of beginner Greek you know, Koine Greek um, so I became even more familiar with kind of the gist of some of the the, the words and stuff in, in Greek okay ecclesia is made up of two words uh, or two parts let's say so the main the main part is from a verb which is kaleo which again I'm not uh, probably not pronouncing it correctly but the point is kaleo which means to call uh, to it's you know like giving a call and then ek, the first part. So ek-kaleo, ek, meaning out of. So the idea of eklesia is a word that comes from called out and then, or called and then out. So it's the idea of called out ones, you know, a group of people, people um, who are called out of something. Um, so that was, that's kind of the basic etymology. Now, that's not necessarily what the word means. Like, I mean, so you don't want to make that mistake just as a general rule of thumb. If if so you did the same thing with the word butterfly and you go, okay, butterfly, it means, okay, so the first part is butter. So that's like a stick of butter and then fly. So butter the fly. Oh, so that's what butterfly. It's like, no, no, no. Butterfly doesn't mean that at all even though it has those <laughs> those two words combined. So you can't make that mistake. Um, but that's, in this case, it actually it bears a resemblance to, to the particles that are, it's made up of. So you have ecclesia, which is a group of called-out ones, and that's used as the word church. And what I found was every single time that it was used, that Ecclesia was used in the, in the text, in the biblical text, it was always translated as a group of people in general. Like that's what it was, a group of people. The context would show that. It was a group of people, and they weren't always Christian. Most of the time it was a reference to a Christian group, you know, people who were uh, a congregation or a group of people that believed that Jesus Christ was God uh, or at least was their Savior. Um, but there are actually four different usages so four out of all of the ones that are in the, the Greek or the Greek texts there's four usages that um, are just as a reference to an assembly of, of people and if just for for those of you who care to know and they're all found in the in the book of Acts which was also written by the guy who wrote Luke the the Gospel of Luke same guy <laughs> who happens to be named Luke. So in Acts 738 let me see if I could pull that up real quick and I've got the New King James version here just to make it a little bit easier for for reading um, I'm not really don't I don't care to get into a debate of what the English you know which is the best English text KJV only like there's so many there's so much there, ah there, those are other podcast topics. But, um let's see here acts seven thirty eight uh it says, "This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai with our fathers blah 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 so you'd have to read that to see what the context is but this is this is Stephen the martyr who is um giving an address uh before a bunch of religious leaders, and he's referencing uh old testament history, history of the Jews he's talking about different things that happened and um he talks about in verse thirty-eight. He says he uses the term ecclesia. He goes, "This is He who was in the ecclesia in the wilderness." So the word ecclesia is being translated as congregation in this in the New King James Version. Maybe it's Maybe it's translated as assembly or something, or maybe church in, in other English translations. But there you have a case where it's not necessarily the Christian church following Jesus Christ. This is a reference to you know way before Jesus Christ was on this earth um you know or was born into the world uh, of the virgin mary like that's this is way before then so there's one case now these are still God's people um, but uh but it's not it's not necessarily a christian church as it were um, the other three are in chapter 19 of acts they're in verses 32 39 and 41 so let me pull that up real quick so this is where and this is where the Apostle Paul and, oh, who was with him? Uh, was it Silas? No. I'm trying to trying to look through here. Uh, let's see. Maybe I'll see it here. But the point is this it mentions there's a group. So, Paul and, oh, is it Barnabas? Ah, it's going to kill me. I should have looked that up beforehand. But they they start preaching and they're they're sharing you know, the gospel. They're spreading this this news of Jesus Christ being you know the uh, uh, the savior of the world and all of that. Um, and that's going against the religion of this the, the the city that they're in. They're in Ephesus, and so they kind of get people riled up. And there's kind of a mob that's forming. There's a group of people, and they're all, they're all saying, "Great is." Diana of the Ephesians, um, <laughs> which is their, their goddess. And so let's see. Let's see yeah, nineteen thirty two. So it says some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Now that word assembly in the Greek is Ecclesia. So it literally is saying, some therefore cried one thing and some another for the ecclesia was confused. Now, that's not a Christian group. This is a mob that formed. But they assembled, and they didn't even know why they'd come together. They had no clue why they came together, but they had assembled for something. So there's a, there's some confusion going on. And that's... that's uh, in verse 39 and verse 41 in that same chapter, it's the same group of people that are being referenced when it says this assembly or whatever. It's, it's, it's that same group. So these these aren't Christians. These aren't a Christian group of people. This isn't a Sunday morning church service. This is the word ecclesia being used to describe an assembly. So all of that's important to me at this point in time when I'm looking through all of these passages. I'm like, ha, huh, that's interesting. So every time the word church is used in the Bible, in the biblical literature, it's always a reference to a group of people. Sometimes a small group of people. It could be two or three, you know, people in a very small group um, that are meeting in a house, uh, or are you know, meeting in as like a mob out in the street. But you know, if we let, if we take away those four exceptions. Um, and the rest are all referenced to the christian church you know coming together um you still had you know, the same ideas people and i was like oh well now i understand why everybody was saying a church is not a building it's the people like we i've heard those mantras but then we still say hey we got to go to church hey did you go to church um i went to church like we still use those terms, even though we say it's not a building. we can destroy the building. Like some of you who aren't, haven't been a part of, uh, you know, weren't raised in religious circles like mine, uh, or raised in them at all, you, you might not understand, you know, why I'm I'm mentioning all of this. But those of you who have been, you, you you might be chuckling, or you might be upset at me for for mentioning it. But literally ad nauseum, I would hear these mantras. Um, and I was like, it, it it rang true, but it didn't resonate. Let's say, and it wasn't until I did this word study and really started to question, like, what the heck is the church? What does this mean? What did Jesus start? What was he dying for? What was his goal? What was like? What, what was all this about that he started? Uh, because it doesn't seem like whatever whatever we have, whatever I'm calling the church, whatever I was raised with, that doesn't seem like it has the same potency um that Jesus was wanting to infuse within it <laughs> I don't know how to, to say that better um and so that was kind of where I started with that question then looking through the passages and then seeing that and then it was like oh man I gotta I gotta tell people about this like I, I don't know I just it just seemed to me as, as if I had asked a question that I assumed everybody else at some point would ask and then come to a similar conclusion that I had. Like it didn't seem like there's this, you know, great light that just, you know, you know, the clouds broke and light came down and I had this, you know, oh, you know the <laughs> moment of clarity of, oh my goodness, now I've received this, you know, deep truth that was hidden for ages, you know, it just seemed very basic, like, oh, dang, i, I how in the world did I miss that? And ten years from that point, I'm kind of like, dang, not only did did I miss it, everybody else seems to have missed it. And when I try to explain it to, to these, you know, these people, the vast majority of the time, I get so much embittered pushback, it's retarded. I know I just offended people by saying that term, but look, that's a whole nother discussion. It's ridiculous and it's retarded. I'm not. I'm not. I'm doubling down on the the retarded thing. It's it's stupid. I cannot believe the amount of pushback. And so it's like I can't even have a discussion with a lot of religious people about uh, my critique of even the term church and the concepts and all of this because they can't even grasp where I'm coming from because they're too pissed off at the fact that I'm actually. Launching a criticism at the church, and like you, I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I had people tell me, you know, and friends, you tell me like, oh, you just think you're better than everybody else. That's why you don't go to church. I'm like, no, dude, that doesn't even make sense. That it, to go to church, you can't, and it doesn't matter. it Doesn't matter how many ways you say it, how many times you explain it. Some of these people, they are too hard-hearted and too thick-skulled to get it. And I finally was like, you know what? there's some kind of a spiritual mental block. There's some spiritual barrier. Maybe it's just your pride. You know, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's a good start because pride blocks a lot of things. Like you want to, you want to start discovering truths you've never, ever thought of before. Um, Check your, check your pride. See if that, see if that's uh, the thing that's blocking you. Like if you get some more humility, um, then uh, you're guaranteed to find more truth. Like I've, that's just that's very very basic stuff but it's, man it's amazing how many times people miss that including myself throwing myself in there but again part of this is I'm like dude we live in a culture where words are being redefined on the daily like i'm just imagining the 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 person you know the, let's say the the christian person which whatever the heck that means but there's you know the person who reads the bible and stuff and then they suddenly so this is you know maybe a decade or you know Maybe even not that. Maybe somebody who you know nowadays, and they're and they're like, uh, they suddenly come. Oh wow! Hey, marriage. Wait, marriage is like wait, like on a in the Bible. Every time it says marriage, it's always referencing a man and a woman. There's, dude. There's no such thing as gay marriage, dude. And then them trying to explain that to other you know fellow Christians or or you know people who go to church with with them. And getting I, I can just imagine that kid getting a bunch of pushbacks, like, dude, look, no, man, blah, 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 blah. Like the terms have been redefined. The terms have been redefined. That's a very, very good attack, by the way. If you if you and I'm talking this this is where I I'm as time has gone on, I've seen, I'm like, okay, let me broaden my perspective. Why is this happening? What's what's the root of the problem here? And I'm like, dude, this is this is definitely spiritual warfare. Like that's that's the only thing that makes sense if you have a world view. So if you're somebody who believes in a spiritual realm, um, and if the spiritual realm is something akin to, um, well, it's it's abstract in many ways, and it is um, you know very closely associated with the world of the mind um, and ideas. And where do ideas come from? And what if there's entities out there, beings? That are of you know pure spirit, no physical matter involved, and they have ideas, and they're trying to push those ideas, and they're trying to find ways to do that, and they're targeting human beings. And so, again, I'm, I'm using more general terms, but stuff that would uh, make sense within a biblical worldview of the spiritual realm. It's like, dude, this makes sense if you can redefine the terms that people are using, and we see this, we see this in politics, well, you know, all the time nowadays. And maybe even uh, before nowadays, <laughs> but if you can redefine the people's, the, the, you know, the terms that people are using, and just completely change the definition, well, then now the thing that they're trying to say isn't what they're saying. Like, you know, if if uh, if coffee no longer means coffee and it just means any kind of liquid beverage, and you say, "Man, I got some coffee today," um, then now I can't even say that. I have to say, "Well, I got some, uh, you know, some some coffee, the 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 brown kind that has." caffeine and you know kind of tastes like this and but like you'd have to start really adding extra terms and stuff to it because the term coffee is now meaningless or at least it's lost the meaning it originally had now it's generic for any you know i had some some water i had some uh, lemonade all of that's coffee now we've 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 made the term coffee inclusive so that it allows us to to represent a, a wide swath of beverages um like so it's difficult. So then you end up having to go. Okay, what do the terms mean? Well, here's here's the thing that I started to realize. Like, dude, it's not just in my lifetime, and it's not just in the you know the past couple of generations. I think, as far as I can tell, without doing some like heavy heavy research on this, um, and you know checking all of the, the the church history and stuff. But the term church has been redefined. Like it's it's had a a counterfeit definition, I think, for centuries. Just based on on the what I do know of all the denominations and groups that have come and gone, and some that are still, you know, um, you know, persisted. You know, the Catholics and the Protestants and all like, there's like four hundred thousand denominations of Christianity. Again, whatever the heck that means, um, and, that are you know, I think it's like four hundred thousand currently <laughs> around the world. It's like, oh my goodness. So what the heck does that mean? Is that 400,000 different churches and then there's smaller churches that are parts of those? Like, I, I, Basically, we've, we've all been inculcated with a false definition of whatever the word church means and there's a whole routine and ritual, a, you know, a whole routine and set of rituals uh, and, and other doctrines and other terms because if you have the so if if in other words think of the word church as like a foundational definition for christian living okay so somebody who says Jesus Christ Jesus it, Jesus is my savior um and I'm not even going to say they say he's my god or he is god uh because the the creed that I find in the the new testament is Jesus is lord so that just means Jesus is the boss he's the master he's the lord um We'll leave it at that. So this would include, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, people, you know, people that the Christians would point fingers at and all that. Anyway, the point is, people who are saying, okay, Jesus is Lord, he's my Savior, I'm going to follow what he says, um, how do I do that? Oh, I need to live in some kind of connection with other people who say the same type of thing, and that's a church. Okay, I'm gonna live with them. So that's you know so that's how I live. I live in harmony and in fellowship or whatever with these this group of people, and then we do stuff in the world together and, and try and, you know, uh get converts or, you know, whatever. There's there's but but basically it starts there. I start as an individual who says Jesus is Lord and then I start trying to follow whatever Jesus says and if he built this church thing, then I've got to be a part of it somehow, and it's his body or whatever, okay, I'll do something there. Okay, so how does that function then? Oh, it functions like this? Okay, so so there's a pastor, a head pastor, and there's some prophets uh, and apostles, and uh, there's some elders and bishops and presbyters and deacons and leaders, and uh, I've got to be a member, and uh, worship services, and... Uh, shepherds and uh, we well, one big family and and uh, kind of cultic and like Bob well, you know, Click Club go to these things concert blah blah, blah 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 like all of these other things which I just kind of rattled off are then piled on top of the word church like they they have their meaning in the context of whatever the word church means so church is a foundational type definition in my mind. Um, Now, it's not the bottom, like there's stuff underneath it, but it's one of the lower levels of this skyscraper of beliefs, let's say, and doctrines. And so, in other words, if you have a flawed definition of the word church, then you're guaranteed to have flaws on all of the levels above that. Okay, so if there's a crack in the the foundation of the second floor of this skyscraper, then there's going to be problems on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and all the way up. You might have one giant crack that goes all the way to the very top. Maybe it doesn't reach the very top, but the the point is with that metaphor, you have problems down here at the bottom. you're gonna have problems all the way up. and so then you end up talking with somebody on the fiftieth floor and you're using terms like pastor, preacher, elder, deacon, member, uh, worship, service, um you know whatever. You start using those terms, and you're talking with somebody who is not even on the same page. Like They're they're using those same terms, but they're defined completely differently um, depending on how they've defined the word church. It may be two separate skyscrapers, if we want to use that analogy. One person standing on one flawed definition of the church. The other one standing on the other flawed definition of the church. And then they have flawed definitions of all the other stuff. So... In some sense, like when I started thinking like that, I'm like, I can understand maybe why there's, you know, so much pushback and people get upset and kind of bitchy when I when I start questioning the church or throwing questions at them. Again, questions that I wrestled with. I'm like, dude, what do you think about this? Dude, come on, man. Like, no, look, you're just making excuses. Just, why aren't, you know, you, you just need to go to church. I'm like, that dude, that doesn't even make sense. The word church is a group of people. I, well, you can go to a group of people well yes yes but that's 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 semantics what i'm i know i'm talking of sem- what i'm saying is if i meet with people during the week uh who are christians uh and they come over to my house and we fellowship and stuff then i've you know i've i've gone to church essentially well no no you have to go to it on sunday like Sunday's the main like Dude, if you're not doing, like, that's the, you have to do that. Like, the, that other stuff's good. Like, don't stop doing, but if you're not doing this, like, the, okay, well, what about the sacraments? What about, like, are you having, and sorry for the, the I'm doing a, a voice. um <laughs> It kind of, and I'm not putting it in a flattering light, but I'm so sick of hearing all these stupid arguments. And they're very, very stupid. They are stupid because they're, they're simple they're too sim- or simplistic, rather. They're simplistic. They're coming from people who have not thought about the term, and the reason I'm doing the voice like that is they're people who have not thought about it, uh, but yet still have the uh, like an uh, uh, some arrogance behind it. Like, whoa, look, you just so that's where the voices comes from. <laughs> Another way to think of it in my in my mind now is basically to me, church, the way it has become. In terms of like what it is, the essence of what that is, because it's not defined correctly. It's basically a click, a club, a cult, a place where concerts happen. <laughs> so there's the alliteration, but I, that happened by accident. I was like, click, club, cult. Like, well, heck, sometimes it's just a concert, but business. So there I'm breaking the alliteration. It's, a, oh my goodness, it's a business, I think that's like the main thing it is now. It's a business. And so (laughs) that's not what Jesus started, the essence of it. Now, it could have the same type of stuff. It could have some similarities. You know, skyscrapers do bear a striking resemblance to houses to some level. Say striking resemblance. I'm being somewhat sarcastic. There are rooms in skyscrapers. There are rooms in houses. There's windows in skyscrapers. There's windows in houses. Heck, I bet there might even be a kitchen in both of them. Like, now I'm being patronizing. But the point is, just pointing out similarities between a house and a skyscraper does not mean they're the same thing. Okay, they might be similar, but they're not the same. And their purposes are very, very, very different. Skyscrapers typically are not used for housing families. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm using a lot of metaphors. Let me break away from that and go back to the the topic. So, if Jesus says I am I'm I'm going to build my church, and again, the building metaphor uh, is is it, it it is a metaphor because. In the Old Testament, you had the idea of, like, the temple. The temple is where God resides. God's spirit is residing in a location, a physical location, and it is the temple. And the temple was built with stones. In the New Testament, you have this concept that Jesus, you know, starts, is, all right, now I'm going to, instead of using physical, you know, rock, stones, instead of assembling those and, and having a temple where God's spirit and presence resides and his power and glory and all of that, I'm going to build a, quote-unquote, temple out of people. God's spirit is going to reside within people on an individual level and on a collective level. So assembling living stones as a church as a living temple as a place where god's spirit can reside that's a that's a very different uh or an upgrade let's put it that way that's a huge upgrade from the old covenant the old uh system of doing things and then the types of sacrifices that were offered like the Okay, so this is getting a little bit off topic, but the point is when Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church, he's talking about building people and building a a, a a a spiritual place of residence for the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And this gets into all kinds of theological cans of worms of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God and all of that. But the point is, if that's what the church is and if it's distinct like if it's a a it's a it's a stark juxtaposition with the temple the old school temple <laughs> the physical temple uh well we have physical bodies but it's if if what Jesus is starting is a spiritual reality that is different because now it's it's mobile. Now it's human beings, and these human beings can move around, and they still have the Holy Spirit within them. They have God's Spirit, the Spirit of truth within them. And then when they come together, something happens that otherwise wouldn't. Well, then the question is, well, what happens? What is that? What does it mean then when these Christians, these individual Christ followers, disciples, what does it mean when they gather together does does the holy spirit manifest in himself more like i don't know like there all of these types of things are spiritual realities that then have to be you know talked about and and there's doctrines and stuff all around that and there's spiritual gifts and there's and then it's like huh, okay maybe the 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 better way to describe that is instead of a building it's a body. It's like cells. It's like, uh, and the the New Testament doesn't use the term cells, like the cells in our bodies, but it does use the term members, meaning like my arm is a member of my body. Um, my hand is a member of my body. My leg is a member of my body. Like there's different parts of my body, my physical body that are called members. There's another term that's been redefined and abused the heck out of you've got to be a member of our church are you an official member we have a membership and you get a photo taken and we have a membership thing it's kind of like when you go to a school and you graduate and you have like we are you a member sorry i'm being patronizing again i hate i expletive hate the definition of member as it's used in the, man, I really want to curse right now, (laughs) as it's used in the institutional church, we'll call it that, (sighs) let me just throw this interject, this little thing in, back in 2019, I literally, and even before that, (laughs) um, I have had prayers where I'm like, God, please destroy the institutional church, and I mean that. These weren't simple. I was like, destroy the institutional church, the institutional church, quote, quote, uh, um, scare quotes around church again because it's not the real thing. Destroy the f- institution. I hate it. The primary reason why I hate it is because it's a counterfeit and a powerful counterfeit for the actual definition of the church that I just started to kind of describe. There's so many people who are either stupid or ignorant, and there's a good mixture of both of those in many cases, but also are resistant to the truth of what the term means. So they resist that. They resist the true definition, and they stay with their counterfeit because that's where they're comfortable and they go and do the same stupid routine, I'm going to try and tone it down a little bit so I can not get off on tangents, but I'm so freaking sick of the institutional church. It sucks. It sucks. For all of its good positives, it's got so many negatives and cons. It's like it's like the public school education system, which is a whole other topic. It's like education itself as a concept. That's yeah, just have a bunch of people drone on about facts and stuff that you have to repeat ad nauseum until you're bored out of your mind that's education <sighs> like we've we're, we're literally having the fundamental blocks of our reality let's say uh, of, of society of culture of, of everything is being redefined They've they've the terms have already been redefined. We're still calling this education, we're still calling this church, we're still calling this whatever. And it doesn't, it's not, it's not. The essence, the essence has changed. The essential meaning behind it is different now, so the term is different. Even the term family. Families like that's <laughs> I'm talking even the, the the conservative positive, you know. Uh, I say positive meaning like in your mind if you're going, oh yeah, the conservative positive. You know, if, if you think of that as a positive definition, the traditional family, it's like, what? Well, okay, hold on a second. That's not even the biblical family. The way family is defined in in scripture in the biblical literature is very different in many 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 ways. So all these terms are are stacked on top of the term church and that's been redefined and it's been uh, practiced. You know, The redefinition of it has been practiced for centuries. Right, there is a point where whatever Jesus started and then his, uh, you know, uh, apostle, apostles and, and disciples and leaders who kind of continued it, you know, after his death and resurrection, what they continued and, and tried to build um, and, and, and keep going and then they passed away, and then you know again, so so on and so forth. At some point in that line of 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 history, there was a change in in. It's like a, I don't know how to how to put it. The whole the whole idea of what whatever the church was completely changed. Now it was instead of it being a instead of it being a family unit, um, a global family in some sense, but. Peep. okay let me let me put it this way if God is a father and that term is used in scripture all over the place God the father and if you are a child of that God of God the father and there's another child of that same God God the father then those two children are siblings okay so, so this is intr- intrinsically familial language. To say we're sons of God, and again, there's there's more there's connotations and extra stuff to those terms. I'm not trying to, you know, do away with that because there's there's also status and stuff. Sons of God is also just as a side note for those who don't aren't aware. That's a term that that phrase is used um, to refer to like angelic beings. You know, the heavenly hosts are sons of God, and then there's sons of man, which are you know human beings, as opposed to sons of God. Um, and so I'm not talking about that, but I'm just saying if you say, hey, God is my father and somebody else says God is my father and they're both true and both are Christians or whatever, then they're, they share the same father. They're, they're, they're siblings. They're brothers. They're brothers in Christ. That's where all those terms come from, brother and sister in Christ. That's why those terms are used. And so if that is a spiritual reality, again, I'm talking to people who believe it's a spiritual reality. Not to people who are like, dude, this is all bunk. Um, <laughs> fine if you think it's all bunk. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, critiquing all the people who don't think it's bunk, but telling them like, dude, you guys are believing bull crap, and y'all are doing a really bad job of representing even what your bull crap says. <laughs> and those who are, are uh, on the outside are looking at it, going like, yeah, I don't want to touch that. And I'm like, bro, I don't blame you. That's why I stopped going to church. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Now I feel like I'm talking in circles, and I've lost track of where I was going with that. <laughs> it's like I said, this is a difficult episode to to put. Like I made notes and stuff beforehand, uh, but it's something I've made mental notes on for the past decade. <sighs> All of these terms have been redefined and they're given bad definitions and there's, there's whole systems and stuff that were put in place. And that happened at one point in history somewhere at some point, it had to have happened because that's not what Jesus started. And then it became the, these groups of people and became, okay, well what is our, that's where I was going with it. What is our reason for getting together together? And congregating and assembling, you know, when, we, when they call out, you know, Christians assemble, <laughs> that's an Avengers assemble reference for those of you who don't follow Marvel. But anyway, what's our reason for assembling then? Oh, it's because we all agree with this creed that we came up with. Yeah, there's all these different creeds that have come out. The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Council that came up with the Creed, the Westminster Westminster Confession. This, that, just I'm naming some off the top of my head that I'm aware of. But well, there's tons of creeds. Well, that's that. That fun, and that's another thing that I've um, gotten flack from from people who are like, "Dude, if you, like you, you better agree with the Creed." Like, if I don't trust anybody, hold on a second. Back up. I'm looking at a bigger picture here. Why are you even using the creed as a as a as a standard, as a ruler, as a measuring tool for whether or not you can fellowship with somebody? Now, again, there's I can understand in some cases there's some utility, some people can use it, but the point is, Jesus—the only creed in the Bible was Jesus is Lord. Anybody who was willing to claim that. Uh, was considered a brother in Christ, and partly because if you said Jesus is Lord in that context that they were living in, well, you could die for that. So if you're gonna, if you're willing to confess that and say that, it's like, <laughs> all right, man, you're putting your life on the line. Like you could literally die for that because now you're saying that you have a, a king or a lord or a master who's above the political leader of the time. You know, This is Rome. You have people like Nero in power, and they were considered to be God. Or a god, and so, you know, they say there's no god but Caesar. It's like, well, or there's no, you know, no god above Caesar. Okay, you can you can confess Jesus Christ as a god or a leader, or whatever. But you have to also confess that no, no, Jesus is my Lord. He's the Lord above all. I'm following him. If he tells me to go against whatever the government says, and I'll go against whatever the government says. Like that's just the way it is. All right. Well, well, then uh, we'll put you in prison. All right. Cool. Jesus is Lord. Well, if you're willing to do that, people were willing to look at you other people who said Jesus is Lord, and go, okay, he's a brother. He's a brother in Christ. Look, he's, yep, he's fallen him to his death. But then it came to a point where it's like, you know, things settled down, I guess. <laughs> this is where, again, my uh, people who are more knowledgeable of, of biblical history, or of uh, church history, rather, you know, the history of all of this development of, of, you know, denominations and stuff could could probably fill in the gaps much better than I'm doing. But at some point it changed, and it became okay, well, if you, if you espouse this creed or this confession that we have or if you agree with these doctrines or, okay, so you don't, all right, well, then you are now anathema. You are cursed. You're damned or you're a heretic or this, that, or the other. It became very cerebral. It was very much just a, you have to say these things. You have to believe, you know, that these, these statements are true. Now, your life could suck you could live a very, you know, worldly lifestyle to some degree and still say, okay, yeah, I believe Jesus is God. I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe the that God created the universe. Um, I believe this, that, and th- you know, these 10 things that I think happened uh, in Jesus' life that he did or accomplished. Yeah, I believe all that. Okay, well, then you're part of our group and you, you show up every Sunday for our service. And so, um, and you eat food and drink or you eat bread and drink uh, wine with us and, you recite these with us, so yeah, yeah, you're a Christian. You're a brother. You're a brother in Christ. Like it became the church of the agreeing. That was the ultimate standard, rather than the spiritual reality of whether or not you were you were you know spiritually a a son or daughter of God. You know the spiritual rebirth that's that's talked about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the you know things like that. So it became very carnal in some sense it was not spiritual it was just cerebral and that's kind of where we're at and that's kind of why the church quote unquote sucks because it's defining itself off of something that Jesus did not define it as Jesus' definition of the church was, hey, I'm assembling a group of people who are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and I'm going to be the head of it. And, you know, in other words, he's saying, I am the head of it. I'm the head of it. They're my body. That's how closely knit we're going to be. We're going to be as one unit. He prayed before he went to the cross, um, you know, praying to to. Uh, To God the Father, again, this is where all the theology and stuff comes up. Uh, But he's praying, saying, God, make, God the Father, make make my church, my disciples, my people, the people who claim my name, let them be one, unified, as you and I are one, meaning God and Jesus, (laughs) again, however you want to define that. in other words, if you're a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or whatever somebody who doesn't believe Jesus is, is the same God as God the Father or whatever doesn't matter. The point is the point I'm trying to make here that's why I say it doesn't matter It doesn't matter for the point I'm trying to make. Jesus is saying, hey I want this unity that I have with God the Father to the extent that that's you know that unity is is there. I want that same unity for you know my my children, those who are following me those who are also following you, God, is what Jesus is saying. Now we don't see that. <laughs> I don't see that not on a, not on a large scale. And there's there, there's so much like there's I, I could talk I could pull up passages that I've pulled up in the past when I've debated and talked with people on this. First um, Corinthians, so the letter that Paul wrote to to a group of Christians, Christian people in the city of Corinth, hence hence the name Corinthians. Okay, hey, the a lot of the the titles of books in the in the the Bible they're very simple titles. They weren't like you know these were just letters, and they're like okay, well, how do we you know how do we reference these easily? Okay, we'll call it the it's the first letter that was sent to the Corinthian you know church, the the Christian people there. So we'll call it First Corinthians. And there's another letter, and uh, we don't have that one, but we have uh, another one we still kept, so we'll call it Second Corinthians, again, there's, there's that goes into a whole other topics, but the point is, in those letters that Paul writes, he, he says uh, in, in uh, chapter one and the chapter three, which again, these were letters, they didn't have chapters, but in those sections that we've sectioned them off as chapters one and three, in both of them, he's saying, look, dude, you guys are talking about, like, you're trying to divide yourselves, saying, hey, I'm following Apollos, I'm following Paul, I'm following Peter, I'm other people say I'm following Jesus and Paul's like look you, you guys are immature you're you're carnal like what are you doing like did, look we're, we're following Jesus guys he's the one who died on the cross he's the one that started this whole you know this whole party here he's the one that did out did all of it I'm following him like don't sit there and say I'm a follower of Paul and so I'm better and I, I prefer he's like I'm nipping this in the bud there shouldn't be divisions here we're all one body we're all you're know, a family unit we're big family we're supposed to be a growing family we're not supposed to be dividing and saying well I'm going to go over here I'm part of the, the Apollos cult well I'm part of the the Peter cult well I'm part of the Paul cult well I'm part of the Jesus you know cult okay but you know he, he maybe that's going too far because he basically says no no the the Jesus people the people saying well I'm following Jesus that's what you should be doing Jesus is Lord not Paul not Apollo's those were, you know, uh, kind of the uh, popular speakers, some of the popular speakers or you know, preachers or whatever of the day. We literally have denominations of Christian people nowadays that define themselves, their entire group is defined by the people that they follow. These something Some of these are dead people. Lutherans, Martin Luther, which, by the way, as far as I know, Martin Luther was not cool with people using his name. He's like, dude, don't do that you're not supposed to do that, Calvinists, (laughs) oh, sorry, they're called Presbyterians, (laughs) but literally, it's like, okay, now it's not just people, well, people, it's doctrines, well, we believe that there should be a group of presbyters, so we're gonna call ourselves the Presbyterians, or maybe that was a term that was thrown at them, and they just accepted it. Well, we believe in baptism, so we and we believe it such, so we're called the Baptists. Well, we believe in a method, so we're the Methodists. Well, we believe in a this, that, the other. That like the, I remember when I first saw a chart of like how many different denominations existed nowadays, and I was like, holy crap. If Paul, who wrote this to the Corinthians, were to come back nowadays, he'd be like, I just, he'd pull out all this hair." like, I swear. He would probably have an aneurysm. He'd be like, did you, did you, did y'all not read my letter? Like, I, I tried to nip this in the bud but there are three or four divisions that were starting to happen. I'm like, whoa, 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 stop that. Look, we're all following Jesus, okay? Cool? Cool, we're all following Jesus. We're not following Paul. We're not following, like... We're following Paul to the extent that Paul's following Jesus, and then I'm talking about myself here. So if I'm not following Jesus, then, you know, don't follow me. I think he would, oh, my goodness. Like, he would just sit there and be like, I'm, I'm going to have to start writing letters again. I'm going to start, I'm going to have to get a Facebook page. I'm going to have to start social media platform. Like, what is going on? You guys missed it. This is just my introduction by the way to to this whole thing. I knew I wasn't going to be able to put everything I wanted into to one podcast. But I was like I got to at least put something out there uh, just to get the ball rolling. Cuz there's there's stuff I could reference. There's there's other people who have put out the like okay, this is what the church means. This is the the and I even have notes from stuff that I made like there's once you define church correctly, then you can start understanding how it functions, what it's supposed to do because it's like, well, who's going to lead what about the leaders and who has the authority and the flow charts and this and and what do you do if there's this person and that you know the and you get all of these other. there's answers to those. But if you start with the wrong definition of what the church is, then none of those things make sense or they're going to fit you know, you're going to start shoehorning them in in ways that they were never meant to be to be put in. You're going to start saying things like, "Okay, I'm throwing this one out there." I keep having people. I've had people throughout my life, like, "Well, do you have a mentor? Well, do you have accountability partners?" And like, "What are you talking about? Have you do you even read your own Bible? Like, you could read it in English and still see uh, the stuff that you're saying is is incorrect." Like it doesn't stand the test. Like oh, I have nothing against accountability partner. I wish I could find that term somewhere in the Bible where it says, "Thou shalt have an accountability partner." Thou shalt have mentors and, in, in <sighs> sure, mentors would be great. There's nowhere in the Bible it says thou shalt have, must have a mentor to function as a Christian or as a believer in God or whatever. In fact, it says the exact opposite. There's a there's a passage where. A guy named John is writing to, you know, again, Christian people. He says, look, you have no need that anybody teach you, but the anointing you received, and he's referring to the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, so the spirit of truth that you've been anointed with and filled with, it will guide you into all truth, which is a throwback to Jesus telling his disciples before he died. He's saying, look, I'm going to die, but don't worry. The spirit of truth is going to come, and he's going to guide you into all truth. Okay, so you, you don't have to... You know, this is a bonus. Um, this is a leveling up. You know, right now you have me, and I'm helping guide you into all truth because I am the way, the truth, and the life. These are pretty extraordinary claims for, for a, a Jewish a rabbi to make. <laughs> so Jesus is making statements like that, saying, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. Um, And they're like, okay, guide us into all truth. He's like, okay, look, but I'm going to die. Well, Jesus, you can't die. No, no don't worry. I'm going to die. Uh, but uh then i'm going to resurrect and uh and then after that the holy spirit's going to be given uh the spirit of truth holy meaning set apart the spirit that's above all set apart from all other spirits you know distinct uh, that spirit of truth is going to be given and and that spirit's going to guide all of you into all truth um so you know even when i'm not here like y- y'all could all be separated and you're still following the spirit of truth he'll guide you into all truth we could talk that's a whole concept. how in the world does that work? Again, it's a spiritual reality. So that's how does that work? <laughs> well maybe partly, the way that works is if you have a spirit of truth as your spirit guide, I'm trying to throw throw a bone out there for the for those who are less religious but more spiritual, let's say, <laughs> or would define themselves as that. And seriously, I mean that I mean that sincerely though, I'm not kidding. If your spirit guide is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, and then you're reading the text of Scripture, would that spirit not guide you into the correct understanding of the words? And what if you're reading something else? What if it's not, quote-unquote, the Bible or Scripture or divinely inspired whatever. It's just a book. What if you have that same spirit guiding you into all truth? And so you see the truth in a Marvel film or in Lord of the Rings or in oh, Harry Potter. <laughs> and I'm saying that I've I've not watched any of the movies or the books. Um I think I watched I watched the first first Harry Potter film, but I kinda like kinda watched it. I wasn't really paying much attention because I wanted to read the books first. But the point the I'm I'm saying that for all of you uh, Christian crowds who are, you know, very anti Harry Potter, you know, it's witchcraft and all of that. Okay, okay, that's a whole other argument. But the the point is this: should we not be pursuing truth everywhere? Okay, well that's a whole other topic. Truth is relative, right? It's your truth versus my truth. Postmodernism, yay! See how this branches off? See how see how this topic? Like I'm, I think the reason why all of these things are coming to my mind as I'm talking about this, is because the concept of church is so fundamental. And this is partly the way my mind works. Like I, I stack things um, in my mind of going, okay, this is the deepest level, and then on top of that is this, and then this, and then this, and this is how this ties in, and this is how that ties in. And apparently, I, I do that, and a lot of people don't. I think the vast majority of people don't think that way. And there's not a lot of critical thought to go around nowadays. And there's not a lot of discernment because there's not a lot of critical thought. And um, there's not a lot of education that teaches that. And the kind that does typically is very, oh, I don't know, robotic. No, robotic. (laughs) Robotic. It's not. All of these things are spiritual. Education is spiritual. You can have somebody teach the exact same concepts as somebody else and do a very bad job of it because they're just their demeanor and everything is like they just don't have that gift they could go through the same points and everybody's bored out of their minds and you can have somebody like a jordan peterson go through those same points and you're just enamored and like i can't (laughs) i'm speaking for myself big jordan peterson fan just the way that he engages with people He'll say stuff and it just hits you. Know, hits you like, dude, that's wow. I've, I've, yeah, that's just true. And maybe you don't like Jordan Peterson, but you know if people like that, where they can just say something, you're like, dude, that's I, that's just true. Like the way you said that, like it just or it resonates. Like I, can't, why how do you do that? Well, there's a there's a spiritual element to it. It's more than just vocal cords. It's more than just. The way that words are put together. I'm trying to come up with a good uh, ending to this opening, <laughs> this this first episode podcast episode of the church because I'm going to definitely delve into more at a uh, in a, in a future podcast for it. Maybe even have somebody on where I can have kind of a back and forth with questions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. But I guess if I were to summarize it, I would say it is absolutely crystal clear in my mind that the word church is always and primarily and what's the word? Uniquely. ah, I can't find the right word. We'll just stick with always. It's always referring to people. And it doesn't have to be all. Uh, all of the people in your "quote unquote" church. <laughs> Maybe I'll say this. This is a summary, but it's also kind of a something. It's it's adding a little bit of information. So to make it simple, the way that the word church is used, there's there's like three flavors of it. Let's say it can be a reference to. So okay, I'll give you an example. You could say. To the church in Ephesus now Ephesus is a city so that could be like to the church in Cincinnati and if somebody's writing a letter if like Paul's writing a letter he says to the church in Cincinnati he's not talking about you know the, the Church of Cincinnati on this block or first first Presbyterian Church he's talking he's he's writing a letter to every single Christian person in the, the city of Cincinnati so he could be talking about a whole state or a whole city or a whole country, depending on how he wants to use the word. But it's still, there's a sense in which, uh, you know, what does it mean then to say that there's an assembled group of Christians in Cincinnati? Well, they're assembled in the sense that they're in that location. Now, they didn't all come together and congregate. But they are assembled, maybe maybe by God. Maybe God said, hey, I want to, you know, let me... Let me move all of these people here. I've got a purpose for every single individual in this region. I specifically, uh, you know, prodded them uh, in their spirit to get them to move here. Maybe for ways subconsciously they didn't even realize, but there's a reason why every single one of them's here. And maybe Paul's recognizing that on some level, and that's why he's saying, "Hey, to the church in Corinth, like all you guys, all you Christians who are assembled there, maybe placed there by God, and so, you know, and maybe." Uh, hopefully, like hopefully, for their sakes and for for, you know, I mean, there's reasons why book clubs form. People enjoy a book, and so they want to talk with other people who enjoy that book, and that's just for pleasure and for fun and all of that. That's not necessarily a spiritual thing with a fun book. I mean, they're, I'm not saying there's not we're spiritual beings, I believe, but all of these Christian people, hopefully, they themselves would. Would would even say like hopefully I can meet with other fellow Christians and talk with them and learn things from them because I you know maybe I'm a new convert and I don't know much about this or uh, maybe I can get some help from this person or or you know just it just feels good to be around them and talk with them about spiritual things like anybody who who is highly interested in a subject knows they know you know this you know that it's really fun when you find somebody else especially if it's hard to find somebody else like this who is highly interested in the same subject and you're like finally okay finally i can talk with you and you know what i'm talking about and i can ask okay what do you think dude what about this i mean nerds do it all the time (laughs) and i'm not trying to pick on the nerds i'd throw myself in there star wars people talking about that uh uh, sports i mean people oh man dude i can't did you see the game like wow blah 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 like there's a sense in which just that alone. It's like, oh dude, you okay, so you know, okay, so when Paul said this, what was he talking about? Especially if you're interested in it. If it's not something forced, like, yeah, look, you have to show up like <sighs> Okay. Let me go back to my summary. <laughs> the term church has has uh flexibility in the Like in how many people you want to group in it. So I could say to the church in the United States, to the church in Kentucky, to the church in Florence, to the church in Ohio, to the church in Cincinnati. You could you could do that and it still the word still maintains its meaning biblically, ecclesia assembled. you could say, to the church that meets in Mike's house in Cincinnati. Like, well, his house, his house is, I know, Mike, his house is pretty small. Like, there's 10 people, maybe, (laughs) that meet there, and when do they meet? Oh, they meet after work on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and then other days when they can meet, they'll also meet there at different times. That's the church that meets in Mike's house. To the church that meets over here in uh, Susan's house. To the church here. But they're all still the church of Cincinnati. It's not like you have Susan's church here, Mike's church there, the first church of East River Ch- Street, you know, or whatever. They're all one church. One assembled group. Again, if Jesus says, Hey, the church is my body, well the body is assembled in correct order. That's the point. You don't know, you, you know the leg is in its proper place, the hand is in its proper place. If if everything's done correctly, then Jesus' body is ordered correctly, and it's one body. And it doesn't make sense to say I'm a member of Susan's church, but I'm not a member of Mike's church. Like, no, no, this that's the Apollos and Peter and, and well, I follow Apollos. That's that error. No, you are a member, or maybe it would be better to think of like your group as a member of the body of Christ in the sense of it's like a hand. You're not members of a club we have to sign your name on a piece of paper saying i'm joining a membership thing. Well, i got to know who see as a leader as the pastor of this church group. I need to know who I'm responsible for and we've got to designate um this elder over here, he's going to have you five families under his thing. So we need to know who's a member of our church so we know who to check up on and be big brother to and make sure you're not sinning. <sighs> Again, I I'm, I'm really struggling to summarize Church is always a reference to people assembled to some degree for some purpose. There is a purpose implied <laughs> uh, for Christians when they're coming together. Why are they being assembled? What are they trying to do? And is it possible you could assemble for different reasons? It doesn't have to be the same reason. It doesn't have to be the same time, same schedule, same boring routine. Every freaking week? So you can check it off your list and then go right back to whatever you normally like. ah, The whole concept is flawed. I'm not saying that there's nothing of, of substance that happens at this these designated times and places. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that's not what Jesus started. That's not what he said he was going to start when he said, upon this rock I will build my church. That's not it. Period. And you're an absolute fool if you say otherwise. And if you're that level of a fool, then all I have to say to you is, shut up, I'm not talking to a fool I really want to curse right now. <laughs> but I'm so sick of talking to people who are fools and arrogant ones on top of that. But to those who are more open to at least questioning things and looking at the scriptures and looking at these terms and taking some, you know, some some good soul searching and really pondering this out, For yourself, before you start making claims and just trying to respond without thinking things through, to to all of you, more power to you. Keep thinking. Keep questioning things. Keep looking into things. But don't be surprised by the lost world. I'm using Christian terms now who say that they want nothing to do with your church. They don't want to go to Sunday morning church services. And don't be surprised when I say the exact same thing and stand up and defend them too. Because they can, they don't have the, the reasonings and arguments and stuff that I have. They don't have the insider knowledge. But they can sense stuff is off too and they can sense that, hey, this is a waste of my time and that's kind of a shitty concert. Just to be honest like I could probably do and the message was kind of, I don't even like why are we doing this I'd rather do something else and spend my money elsewhere and not be reprimanded like at least when I pay for a concert I know what I'm getting and it's a good concert and I want to go there at least when I go to a business I know that I'm getting a good product I'm not being coaxed into having some some mediocre coffee and music and a facade and a positive message and then guilt tripped into putting money in a plate That's being like well we don't do that at our church like our, our, okay there you go again our our, our church our, our church our, no no there's only one true church biblically speaking i'm correcting their arguments There's only one true church. You're talking about Jesus' church, the group he started. There's only one. There's no our, well, our church over here, well, our group. You can say, (laughs) you can say, and I'm, I'm, some of the sounds like semantics. I'm talking about the spirit behind it. Well, our church, as opposed to your church or that church. No, there's only one when Paul says to the church that meets in this person's house, it's not that person's church. He's saying, hey, I'm referencing this specific group of people. Like, hey, hey, you guys. He might even know who they are. Hey, you know, Samantha, John, uh, Alice. Instead, of, Hey, the, the, to the church that meets at Susan's house, hey, you guys stay strong, man. I know you are going through a lot. I don't even think I can call this part one. This might just be introduction to the church. Still haven't decided what I'm going to title this. One of the titles I thought of is "Why the Church Sucks," <laughs> and then put that in uh, you know quotes, "Why the Church" quote unquote sucks. Or uh, that that's more of a you know angry vit- vitriolic let's say title. Another one is just like what what is the church? What even is the church? Or what is you know, what is the church? What does what does church mean? Like, those those are good questions. But I don't know. I, I kind of like kind of like I kind of like the title of why the church sucks or why the modern church sucks. It just I think a lot of people would uh, would agree just just on the title alone. <laughs> <sighs> I guess I'll have to to find out what it's going to be after I've wrapped this puppy up. So we'll go ahead and end it there. I'll end with that same verse. This is Jesus again. He's talking to his disciples, but specifically to Peter. And he says, I, Jesus, also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not withstand it. That's Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus wasn't playing around, he had a mission. He had a team that he wanted to build. And it was going to be a family, a spiritual family, bonded together with the same father, with the same spiritual father, with the same spirit residing within them. And there was going to be unity, not uniformity, because we're all imperfect. There was going to be unity. They were striving for. And that's tough. But the unity was grounded and embedded and growing from the spirit of truth. That was the foundation. A spiritual reality, a spiritual family, a family of extraordinary individuals. <laughs> whose goal was to go and save the world from all of the evil that it's immersed in and to give them an abundant life. There's another little verse that popped in my head. Jesus says something like, or it says somewhere in the scripture somewhere where it says, basically Jesus was able to, to endure the cross the crucifixion, all of that, for the joy that was set before him. So it's this idea that, like, in some way, Jesus saw something that was beyond the cross, something beyond the grave, something beyond the suffering. He was like, that's worth it. There's joy there. I'm willing to undergo all of this to obtain that. That's worth it. And my argument is the current state of the church, in Western culture especially, Sunday morning services, ain't it. If Jesus saw that, I don't think he would have gone to the cross. (laughs) I know there's a lot of you right now, (laughs) if you're still listening, and this podcast has given you emotional damage and to all of you who have uh, received that i say get over it you've been listening to the joshua greenie podcast thank you for listening and hope you listen in for the follow-ups whenever they come have a good one